I preach today, I want to share something with you that I think is of the utmost importance. And so if you just give me a moment to share this. This past week, um, the House of Representatives, and I know we're live on Facebook, and I want to do this when we were live, so thank you for joining us. This past week, the House of Representatives passed what's been called the Equality Act. And I would be remiss as my, uh, as my calling as a minister to not point out how dangerous this particular piece of legislation is. Here's what this regi- reg- uh, piece of legislation would require. It would force schools nationwide to teach kids about LBG- LGBT ideology without parent consent. It would mandate that schools allow biological boys to access the girls' restrooms, locker rooms, and showers. It would require teachers and students to use the preferred names and pronouns of those who identify as transgender. It would require employers to implicit strict preferred pronoun policies. It would compel employers to provide health insurance for sex reassignment surgery. It would allow men to enter and use the women's public bathrooms, lockers, and showers. It would allow males to compete in female sports and require doctors to provide sex reassignment procedures and hormone therapy, even against their own values and morals. It could be the most dangerous piece of legislation that has ever been passed. The current president that we have has said that it is on the top of his agenda during the first 100 days of his administration. And if it makes it to his desk, he is going to sign it into law. Here's what we're asking. We're asking, first of all, that we pray. Amen? I mean, you know, we're kingdom people. I'm not, I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not hateful towards anybody. We're just going to pray. We're going to believe God. But we also want you to do this. Would you call your local representatives, call your senator's office. It's not hard. Use Google. Find their phone number. Blister their phones and let them know that they're to vote no on this ungodly piece of legislation. And let's join in right now. Would you join me in praying that this thing is defeated in the Senate and never makes it to the president's desk? Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, for the sake of of our nation, Lord, we're not angry at anybody. Lord, we love everybody. But this is an ungodly piece of legislation. It's against God's will, God's plan, and God's purpose. And Lord, we need to protect our children. We need to protect our ladies. And we need to ask God right now that this piece of legislation is defeated in the Senate. We pray right now that it would never make it to the president's desk. We pray. God, that the voices of those who are promoting this would be silenced, would be confused. Father, I pray that something would rise up right now in the hearts of those and minds of those who are voting for this. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just grip their conscience in Jesus' name and vote this thing down. And we pray today that those who are pushing this ungodly agenda, Father, I pray for their heart, their mind, and their soul. I pray that they'd have a divine encounter. And I pray that their lives would be radically transformed by the love and power of God and that they would no longer push this ungodly agenda on our children, on our families, and on our nation. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. All right. 
Are you ready? Amen. Grab your word, Bible today. Grab the word today and turn to John chapter 14. If you're new to grace, we're going to put these scriptures up on the screen. I'm going to start a new series today uh, called An Unwasted Life. Or I should say The Unwasted uh, Life. The Unwasted Life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, today finding purpose. Listen, I want to talk to you about finding purpose. All right. And uh, so we're going to start uh, by first of all talking about what the Bible says about one of the great parables that Jesus ever taught. It's the parable of the good, uh, uh, the good father or the parable of the prodigal son. Listen, in Luke chapter number 15, Jesus tells a story of three lost things. There was a lost sheep, a lost coin, and ultimately a lost son. And in the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, there's something interesting that takes place, and the way the Bible words it is very interesting. In Luke chapter 15, it actually says this, that he had gotten his father's inheritance, and if you've heard this story before, you know what happened. The son went to the father, said, give me, give me my inheritance now, and reluctantly the father gave it to him, and the Bible says that he went off, watch this, and he wasted his life with, watch this, prodigal living. Prodigal living. Now, we have always taken that word prodigal now, and we've turned it kind of to mean unsaved. And we think, well, I've got a, I've got a prodigal in the house. In other words, I've got an unsaved child. But it doesn't actually, the word doesn't mean unsaved. It actually, in the margins there, you'll see a little footnote, and it actually means this, wasteful. That he wasted it. Listen, he didn't just waste money. He was wasting his life. And there are many people that are actually attending church on a weekly basis, but they have yet to step into the plan, the purpose of God for their life, and they could have good morals and doing good things, and they live a very productive life and very successful on the outside, but if they've never found the plan, the purpose of God, if they've ever realized why they were created, then in some way that they are prodigal. They're prodigal. Listen. Listen, I don't want to go my whole life and, and have nothing to show for it. I don't want to go my whole life and say, well, I was able to do this, this, and this, but yet at the end of the day, my life made, made, made no eternal difference. I know when I get to the end of my life, I know this, my kids are going to remember me, my future grandkids are going to be awesome, right? I'm very concerned about my grandfather name. I ask people all the time, Wait, what's your granddad name? What is it? Because I don't want to be called people. You know what I'm saying? Like, that bothers me. I don't want to be called, I want to be like Big Daddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Papa, Big Papa, something like that. I know I don't look it, but that's just what I want. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm very concerned about this. I don't want to be a Waylo, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, don't, I want to be Big Papa, Big Daddy. Anyway, so my grandkids that are coming along later, they're going to they're gonna remember me, and if I live long enough, same with you, great-grandkids, they're going to remember me. But as generations pass, listen to me, church, as generations pass, we get forgotten about. There's nobody left to remember us. And so all we have is these years here on this earth, 
right? And we have to make them count for something. And it's not just that I want to make a difference while I'm on this earth for the here and now. I want to make a difference for eternity. I want somebody to be in heaven because I was able to pray for them or minister to them. I want to make an impact for, for, for God that makes an eternal difference in somebody's life. I want somebody to say, hey, this guy impacted my life for eternity, amen? Because what I do now, how I serve, how I worship, how I give makes an eternal difference. Listen, I need to find the plan and purpose of God for my life now. Find the plan of God for my life now. Amen. Listen, I would rather be in a canoe going down the Amazon, watching the canoe sink, fighting off crocodiles with a broken paddle and be in the will of God than driving a Porsche 911. Come on, somebody down, down the boulevard in Miami and be out of the will of God. I'm safer in the canoe. Come on now. I'm happier in the canoe. Amen. We have to understand that we have got to find the will and plan and purpose of God for our life. It is of the utmost importance that we find the purpose of God for our life. So over the next couple weeks, I want to talk to you about the purpose of God for our life. I want to give you three keys to finding the purpose of God for your life. And the first one is this, perspective. Perspective. Where you are determines what you see. Perspective. If you sit on this side of the building, you're looking at me from one perspective, and, and so you have one vantage point, and so where you are determines what you see. You see something. You may see something that nobody else sees. If you're sitting on this side of the building, you're looking at things from a different perspective. You're in a different place. You're seated in a different place. You're over here. Right? And so you're looking at things from a different perspective. You see things that others don't see, right? So where you are determines what you see. And you can never get to where you need to be without first discovering where you are. Have you looked at one of those maps trying to find your place? Have you been at the mall? Have you been anywhere? And you say, okay, I can't find the store. Well, where is it? Well, first of all, before I figure out where I need to be, I have to first figure out where I am. So you look for that little thing that says what? You are here. Hallelujah. And so tonight, today, when you walk out of this building, I want you to just figure something out. I am here. Here's where I am. Amen. Because you have a place. You have a place. You have a place where God's called you. And so you can't just stay anywhere. You have to get to where God's called you. Do you understand that in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was, there was a, a period of, of a life of a guy named Elijah who was a prophet, and he actually prophesied that it was not going to rain, right? that a famine was going to hit the land. But guess what? The famine affected him too. But God had already prepared a place. And God said to Elijah, I want you to get to a place because I have provided for the birds to feed you there. There. You can't stay here. You have to get there. Amen. And God's saying the same to you. He's saying you can't just stay anywhere. You have got to get there. Where's there? The place where God has called you to be. You've got to get there. It's there that God provides. Because some people are thinking, well, I'm just not seeing God move. I'm not hearing his voice. I'm not seeing the provision. I'm not seeing and feeling all that, that I need to. You need to know that maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you need to move to where God wants you to be. He expects you to be there. 
It's there he wants you to be. Where's there? Well, let's talk about the place that God wants you to be. John chapter 14, watch this. We're going to kill a sacred cow today. Is that all right? I mean, we're going to murder it, all right? We are going to, we're going to kill this thing. We're going to butcher it up. John chapter 14, verse 1 says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Watch this, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Watch this, watch this. We've taken this set of verses and we have relegated it to funerals. And it has nothing to do with funerals. And it actually has nothing to do with heaven. And watch this. The word actually that's translated mansions is a poor translation of the Greek. And in most other translations besides the King James and the New King James, in fact, you see that little footnote there, it actually means place, dwelling place. Some translations say rooms. But most translations say, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I hate to burst your bubble and depress you. When you get to heaven, you are not getting a mansion. You're just not. When I was a kid, we used to sing this old hymn. And it's called, I Got a Mansion. Right? Now, I want you to hear some of the words to this song. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sing it to you. Is that all right? It's an old hymn. I just want you to hear some of the words. Here's how it goes. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below. A little silver. Come on, somebody help me out. And a little gold. Help me here. But in that city where the ransom will shine. Anybody over 60? I want a gold one. That's silver lined. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder, we will never more wander, but walk on streets that are purest gold. Come on now. You were, we were supposed to get that auto-tuned. That would have sounded a little better, but... I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver, a little gold. Whoo, but in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. Is that the dumbest, <laughs> dumbest line of a song that has ever been written? A gold mansion that's silver lined. How dumb. That's ridiculous. You don't get a mansion. Jesus said it like this. Let's go back to that verse, John chapter 14. He said, in my father's house, there's many places, many rooms, right? I go to prepare a place for you. Now, 
Where did God or Jesus go to prepare a place? It's not heaven, right? Because if it was heaven, that means that when he got to heaven, he had work to do. Come on now, right? That's not where he went to prepare a place. When he went to heaven, he had already prepared a place. Because he said, it is finished. So where did Jesus go to prepare a place? He went to the cross to prepare a place for us. Come on now. Amen. That's where he prepared a place for us. He made a place, right, before he ever got to heaven. And then he says this, I will go to prepare a place for you. Oh, but here's the good news. I'm coming back. Hallelujah. I'm going to rise from the dead. And when I rise from the dead, I am going to take you with me. Hallelujah. Amen. He's talking about the cross. Amen. Why? Because when we get to heaven, listen, when he got to heaven, I should say, he was already finished. It was done. He sat down. He said, I'm done, right? So listen, it was at the cross that he made room for us. No other prophet, no other person in the Old Testament could do what Jesus did. They could heal the sick. They could perform miracles. But it was only Jesus who could go and make a place for us. He was the only person. And he said this, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There is a place for you in God, in Christ, in the body. And Jesus did that at Calvary. Somebody give him praise. Amen. He did it at the cross. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that there's two things I want you to know. Two things that you need to constantly be reminding yourself of where to be. Number one, you need to always remind yourself that you are in Christ. You're in Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If any man be what? In Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. It says this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Not when we get to heaven, but in the here and now. Hallelujah. Listen, I don't need God's grace and power and mercy when the sweet by and by. I need his grace and power and mercy in the nasty now and now. I need it right here, right now on this earth, right here. I need God with me. I need Jesus to walk with me. I need Holy Spirit power every day of my life right here, right now. I need to find myself in Christ. Hallelujah. I need to know that I've got everything I need. I'm not waiting on some dumb mansion that's gold with some silver lining. I need God's power and everything that he has. I get it right here, right now. We have the victory now. Hallelujah. Now we have the victory. Amen. I am in Christ. I belong to him. Listen, you are a son. You're a daughter of Christ. You need to stand up and say, listen, here's my perspective. Here's what I see today. I see that I'm not defeated. I'm not some slug. I'm not some worm. This trying to crawl and be good I belong to God and everything that God has done he's done it for me and listen when he sees Jesus he sees me hallelujah and when he sees me he sees Jesus because I am him hallelujah I'm in Christ and I have to constantly be reminding myself I'm in Christ hallelujah I'm with him 
Listen, Ephesians says this. Here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. He said this. Listen, we are seated with him. Watch this. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We've been made alive and anew with God in Christ, seated with him. Where are we at? We're in Christ, in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. I'm not waiting to get to be in heaven, to get to be with Jesus. I get to be with Jesus right now. Ooh, hallelujah. Listen, he didn't just, he's not just up there building. Another one got saved. Start the blueprints. No, man, come on now. He did all of that at Calvary, amen? He did all of that on the cross. He prepared a place for every person that has ever been born, ever will be born. He did that at the cross, hallelujah. And you're in Christ today. And you need to see that perspective, amen? I'm not defeated. I'm not less than. I don't have to walk around sick. I don't have to walk around in chains, chained to some addiction. I can be free today. I can be victorious today. Why? Because I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. And listen, the second place you need to find yourself, constantly remind yourself is, listen, I'm also in church. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about four walls. I'm talking about where God's called me to be. He made a place for me in Christ, but he also made a place for me to sit in church. Hallelujah. And so God has a place for you. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, God sets the members, watch this, in his body as he wills. You see that? God sets the members in his body as he wills. So the truth of it is this, it's not whether you like the worship, don't like the worship, the times work for you, come on now, it's God's called me here, this is where I belong, this is where he set me, listen, he could have, he could have put you in eternity past, he could have put you in eternity future, but he chose for you to live right here, right now, and you didn't make your way to South Florida because we got great weather, that's just a benefit. Weren't y'all, no, I shouldn't say this. We were all praying for the rest of the nation while we were at the beach. But, but listen, I, it's hard not to watch the snowstorms and get down here and go, whoo, thank God for South Florida. Come on now. Thank God for warm weather. Hallelujah. But it wasn't just warm weather that called you to South Florida. It wasn't a job. You didn't just happen to make your way here. You didn't just show up in Palm Beach County. Come on now. You didn't just make your way out west. Come on now. You didn't just show up down, down, down Southern Boulevard this morning. You didn't just happen to make your way in the building today. God orchestrated all the choices of your life, your parents' life, generations before, to lead you to this moment because he says, I've got to set you in a body where I could use you, where you could find your place, your purpose, and so I've called you to be here. This is your place. Amen. When we were meeting at Wellington High School, we were meeting back, back at uh, the Little Theater. We were meeting in the Little Theater, Wellington High School. We suffered, suffered for eight years, right? And so we're meeting and setting up and tearing down, and we're in the Little Theater. That's where we started the church. And so they told me from the very beginning, before we ever started the church, now they said, now we're building an auditorium. It's going to be a beautiful auditorium. It's going to seat 800 people. It's going to be fantastic. The place we were at, we were at said about 300. And so they said, one day we're going to build this auditorium. It's going to be very soon. It's going to happen. 
when the government says soon, they mean 10 years from now. All right, so, and then they did this. They said, well, we're going to, first, we're going to tear down the little theater, and then eventually we're going to build the auditorium. That makes sense. So, so they said there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to meet in the gym. You're going to meet in the gym. Okay. So we met in the gym for about a year and a half or so. And, man, the gym was tough because we had to roll out this tarp and we had to set up chairs. You know, there's no chairs. We're setting up chairs. We're setting up everything. We got nothing. There's no stage. We had to buy a stage, a portable stage, and we're lugging this thing around and it weighed 6,000 pounds and, and we're rolling it in and rolling it out and doing all this stuff. It, those were some rough days. But we actually had one service when we were in the theater. We had one service that met at 10.30. When we went to the gym, because of the space and the amount of chairs that we could have, we could only have 100 chairs, so we immediately moved to two services. The minute we went to the gym, well, I had friends that had just started coming to the church that we've known for many, many years, and they started coming to our church, and then they came to me, and they said, we're going to have to leave the church. I'm like, how come? They said, because these new service times don't work with our afternoon nap. I said, huh? I said, well, me and the kids, we take a nap on Sunday afternoons, and so this, this time doesn't work for us. We, if we go at 9, it's too early. If we go at 11, it's too late. It just doesn't work for us. Oh, well, it just may be that God did not call you here, right? Because if, if a nap is going to take you away, then, then this isn't where God wants you to be. Come on now. And you're going to have trouble finding any place to be. Because if a nap messes you up, wait till something really happens. Come on now. You're going to have trouble. All right? Listen, it's not about what I like, don't like, what works, what's convenient. It's close by my house. It's not close by my house. It's where did God plant me? Where has he called me? Where can I find a place to serve and put down some roots and, and be loved and love others and, and be able to use my gifts and talents and abilities? Where can I find my place in the body, in church? Hallelujah. And it's not just about attending. Because if you just attend, listen to me, if you just attend and you don't worship and you don't give and you don't serve, you miss church. No, no, you say, I went to church. No, you didn't. You went to a building. You didn't go to church because church, we worship. Come on now. We give. We serve. That's what the body of Christ is. And God wants you in the body. He wants you in church. Hallelujah. And he says, I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you, amen? It's an incredible place. And so the first thing he says this, is you, to find your purpose, you have to gain perspective. And to, per, to gain perspective, you have to say, okay, what is it that I see? Huh? And what I see is determined by where I am. Right? And if somebody tell, is telling you, well, just keep looking up, things are going to get better, you're in the wrong place. Because Ephesians chapter 2 says, you're in heavenly places. So if somebody was to say, keep looking up, I'd say, no, keep looking down. Because you're supposed to be up there. We're seated with him. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. I belong to him. Amen. And everything, come on now, that I need for right here, right now, he has blessed me with. I've got everything I need right here, right now. Listen, I don't need a mansion. 
When you get to heaven, watch this. When you get to heaven, watch this. It's going to be better than some dumb mansion. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be better. It'll be better than anything I can describe to you. Come on now. I can't put into words how awesome heaven is going to be. And listen, the greatest mansions of this world would never compare to what awaits us when we get to heaven. Amen. When we get to heaven, God's got something incredible for us. Listen, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be with, we can't even put it into words. But for right here, right now, we still got everything we need right here, right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, you have to gain the right perspective. Where are you? Because you have a place. You have a place. I'm going to ask Angel to come back to the keyboard, and we're going to close out and pray this morning. But I do want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. In fact, I want to pray something kind of specific over you today. I want to pray something very specific over you today. But I have to start with this. I have to start with this understanding, right, that, that you might be here today with the wrong perspective. You might be here today and there's, there's defeat and there's lack and there's, there's shame and guilt over your past. What I want to do today is I want to pray for you that that thing is broken off of your life, right? Because watch this. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let's go back to the story of the prodigal son. You see, the Bible says that he said to his father, Father, if you give me half my inheritance, then I'm going to go off. It never really said that he had friends. Now, he probably did. Huh? Because when you got a lot of money, you got a lot of friends. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no friends. right? So maybe that happened. But the truth is, what really happened is he just wasted those years. He wasted those moments in his life. It was just wasted, right? But really, the problem with the prodigal isn't the money, and it wasn't about spending money, and it wasn't about friends, right? It was about this. He was just in the wrong place. He was in the wrong place. He wasn't where he belonged. And then the Bible says this, that he came to himself. And then he realized that I have another place I could go. I do have another place. And he said this, I will arise and I'll go to this place. The place was called my father's house. My father's house. That's the place where you need to be. Listen, today, I'm in my father's house. Not because I'm at 16569 Southern Boulevard, right? And I love my church, and, and I'm here pretty much every day of my life, so I really like it, all right? But, but I'm in my father's house because I'm in the will of God for my life. That's what father's house is. And Jesus through the cross, made a way for you and I, a place for us to go from where we are. He paved the way back to Father's house. Amen? Because he said, I'm going. 
I'm going to the cross. I'm going to endure the stripes on my back, the nails in my hands and feet, and all of that. I'm doing all of that. I'm doing all of it to make a place for you. But don't worry. When I go in the ground, I'm not staying there. I'm going to come back. And when I come back, you guys are going with me, right? Because ultimately he said to them, you know the way. He said to them, where I'm going, you know it. And you know the way. You just keep following me. Amen. You keep following me. Listen, he wasn't talking about the sweet by and by. He was talking about what's going on right here, right now. Would you do this with me this morning? Would you close your eyes for just a minute?